This is a Soulfire production. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're talking all about relationships and creating conscious relationships. I have two of my best friends back on the podcast today, Mimi and Chase from The Medicine Podcast. If you don't already listen to their show, I highly recommend it. They talk all about health, wellness, conscious relationships, all the good stuff. And if you haven't already listened to my last episode with Mimi and Chase, that was episode 478. And in that episode, we talked all about the story of their relationship. They have such an interesting relationship story that is so inspiring, so beautiful. We got such incredible feedback on that episode. I got so many messages from you guys saying that it was one of your favorite shows. And I've listened back to it quite a few times. In that show, they dive deep into the story of how they were childhood sweethearts, got married, the marriage broke down, they got a divorce. Then they both went on their own individual healing journeys, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and ended up coming back together and creating a completely different type of relationship. And now they're back together and have taken everything they've learned and created so much content and now a new course around helping other people to really learn how to create a conscious partnership and have that deep, passionate love that everybody's really looking for. And Mimi, Chase, and I talk about this all the time, but we're just not given the tools. These are tools that people have to seek out. Most of us haven't learned the tools to create a conscious partnership, haven't learned really solid communication tools, and we end up waiting until there's a fallout or something bad happens to actually start to look into this stuff. So to me, these are life skills that we talk about in the episode. So part one of their story is on episode 478. And that's where we cover what they call part one of their relationship. And I wanted to have them back on the show to talk about part two of their relationship, which is what they refer to the now time period as, to talk about the actual tools that they have used to create this really deep, loving partnership. And we talk about some of the mistakes people make in relationships and with communication. So there's a lot of really really tangible tips and tools in this episode if if you love learning about relationships. If you are dating right now or if you are currently in a relationship, it doesn't really matter at what stage you're at. These conversations are relevant to everyone, whether you're looking to attract in an aligned partner or you are in a relationship and either want to find that spark again or just get ahead of it and make sure that you have the tools to continue to cultivate a really deep lasting partnership. I absolutely loved having this conversation. Mimi Chase and I could talk for hours. We always talk about how we just get in a vortex. (laughs) It's so true. So I'm sure they will be back on the podcast, but I'm really excited for you all to listen to this one. And if this topic does interest you, I highly recommend checking out Mimi's deep love course. Enrollment is going to be February 7th through the 14th, 2022. So if you're listening to this, the day it drops, enrollment opens today and it will be open until the 14th. The course is going to start officially on Sunday, February 20th. It is an eight-week program. I have seen the behind the scenes of this program and it is 
it is jam-packed. She has somehow found a way to put years and years and years of lessons into an eight-week program that will really deeply impact every area of your life. So your relationship, of course, but that also, you know, it affects your friendships, business, your relationship with money. It's all connected. So it'll be a deep dive into understanding, balancing masculine and feminine energy, how to get the spark back in your connection, how to communicate clearly, how to share authentic feelings with your partner and navigate difficult conversations with your partner, how to stop unintentionally emasculating your partner, shifting unhealthy habits and patterns, what to do if your partner doesn't really seem into the personal development and growth work, understanding common breakdowns in communication, just so much stuff in this course. So if you want to check this out, I can't recommend it enough. Go to themedicine.com slash deep love. That's T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com slash deep love. And you can find all the information there. And you of course can find more from Mimi and Chase on the medicine podcast that's spelled m-e-d-i-c-i-n and of course on instagram at mimi underscore the medicine and at the underscore chasen underscore one and at the medicine podcast can't forget that and one more thing before we jump in if you are looking to manifest in a relationship this year especially this month february is prime relationship time then check out the replay of my manifestation activation event around love and relationships specifically. So I've been downloading a lot of manifestation codes related to specific areas. So this one is about love and relationships and clearing out energetic blocks to attracting those in. We have a money manifestation activation coming up. So you can sign up for that live version, but the manifestation activation around love and relationships specifically is available for replay. If you go to my website and you go under the work with me tab and then event recordings, you can find all of these replays there. So I would check that out if you do want to purchase the replay. And then if you want to get your hands on the uh, money manifestation activation codes, if you want to manifest in more money, then all the links will be in my Instagram bio, all over my Instagram. So head there. If you're on my email list, you will get the information there to sign up for that. And everything is always at christinathechannel.com. That's where you can find courses. That's where you can find event recordings, all the good stuff. All right. Those are all the updates, all the things you need to know. Get ready, buckle up, get a notepad. You're going to want to take notes on this episode. Enjoy this conversation with my incredible friends, Mimi and Chase. I got major, major bad reviews from a lot of people. Yeah. Why? I just talked to a few people that were like, oh, it really wasn't good. I was really disappointed. But like Chase, I I totally connected with their story. And I was like, we're Neo and Trinity. Yeah. Uh, It was a great love story. I mean, I think they could have probably implemented uh, a stronger narrative with nudges towards kind of like what's going on in the world now. Yeah. So like they really could have addressed some social, political, spiritual relevant issues more intensely and mm-hmm. they kind of just stuck to a love story which is totally entertaining to me but i think the people who whose mm-hmm. brains were broken by the first one were hoping for some other sort of like deep themed articulation of how fucked up the world is now yeah that makes sense but i mean i feel like the movie's already so revealing yeah <laughs> yeah like at what point is it? I mean, that would just take it, I feel like, too, almost too far in terms of documentary yeah. land. Oh, I, 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 I call The Matrix a documentary. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
at this point i i looked i watched it like four or five years ago and i was like oh oh shit this is this is real yeah 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 well it always makes me wonder like how are they even allowed like allowed but like i mean how how do the (laughs) dark energies allow that to get released i mean but that's part of how it works it's like I mean, mass hypnosis, like we mm-hmm. have to be told everything that's happened has been straight up like told, right? Yeah. Like everything with what's gone on, it's all yeah. on, on the internet, free to see the whole yeah. plan. That's how it, it works. You have to say yes to it. Essentially. Yeah. Do you think there's a, like, I've, I've wondered this too, with whatever it is, dark entities or the, 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 you know, twisted power structures that are behind all of this. Is there by showing your cards to some degree, like by showing your mm-hmm. hand, is that part of the power that they receive is by like literally doing it in front of the faces of yeah. the unknown. You, you literally like you have to opt in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to opt in. Right. So for example, wearing the masks, like people don't understand how dark that symbolism in is and what that means, what type of initiation that is. Mm-hmm. But people are saying, yes, I will do this. Yeah. Right. We're opting in. So that's why everything literally mm-hmm. has to, has to be out in the open um, because people are saying yes to it. Otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. Because right? people think that they're doing it for someone else to yeah. protect someone else yeah. and themselves too. But most people who are still wearing masks, it's not because they're afraid. It's because, well, I want to do my civic duty. I've been told that this is yeah. for someone else, but people do don't know like what it what it means it's kind of like all the tiktok videos that are going viral i mean that's a big like um agenda too and people don't even realize what they're playing into it's like you don't even know what those symbols mean that you're throwing Mm -hmm. up with your hands and it's it's initiation stuff it's (laughs) yeah you know it's it's wild um and obviously it's hard to know everything all the time but then it's like you realize and you have to say no i don't agree to this right anymore Mm -hmm. you know it's the same Mm -hmm. thing as like I don't know. We can dial it back and say, well, why do I keep attracting narcissists into my life? Well, you're saying yes to letting them in your field. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you can say, actually, no, now I realize what's going on. This isn't healthy. This is toxic. And so I'm saying no. Right. But that's, that's true of anything. Like we say yes to allowing it in our field, whether or not we even realize it, you Mm -hmm. know, which is why one of the reasons why it's so important along with so many other reasons to become conscious totally yeah. I mean, literally that was in my head yeah. it was like this and we talk about it in relationship mm-hmm. all the time but this muscle of becoming conscious is the step that will apply to every single lane yeah. in your mm-hmm. life yeah well what did that look like for both of you maybe we start with you because i find that with that that shift i was thinking about that this this morning like i used to go through my life and everything was on autopilot like i was just automatic i would walk 45 minutes and not even remember anything I saw. And then it was a shift to being truly mindful and just like, I'm very aware of what's, of what's happening all the time. I'm present in my life. And for me, I think it was a lot of the spiritual work, brain rewiring energy work that forced me to be present. And it was a process, you know, but I think it's hard for me often to describe to other people, like, how do you become conscious and not saying I'm like the most woke person in the world, but you know, like making mm-hmm. that shift to being conscious of yeah. of what you're doing and why you're doing it and being aware of your thoughts. So like, what was that for, for you, Chase? Yeah, it was, it was less, um, it was less like woo at first. So it was pretty rational at first. Uh, we talked about in the, in the first episode where I kind of got into this, you know, self-development space, you know, a couple years after we split up. But what our divorce did for me almost uh, immediately was it just put up on a screen all of the things that were wrong. 
And so in literal terms, I was able to be like, wow, from the, from beginning, I was really honest with myself about like, man, I fucked up there. Wow. I was really out of balance. So for the first time, really, I was looking at it almost like it was on a screen of what I did not do, but I didn't really know the why behind it or the meaning behind it. So I kind of moved on and, and just ignored what happened, buried the pain. But when I started to work on myself, I got very familiar with, based on you know being around people who were well-educated in the space, as well as some of the content that I was consuming, that so much of my decision-making was unconscious. And maybe I didn't identify it as consciousness or unconsciousness, but what did come up was, wow, I do so many things. I make so many decisions out of shame, guilt, programming, or fear. Yeah. And I think it might've been Joe Dispenza, but pinpointing what was coming up in my body when moments were like triggering me or nudging me to act in a particular way that was disconnected from where I wanted to go and just naming them like, whoa, 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 that, that's, that's fear. Oh my God. That's, that's my, you know, religious programming that makes me want to act like this. And so when those things would come up, I think I was starting to practice as as I look back on this now, you know, it's consciousness, it's practicing consciousness and, and what the beginning stages of that, when it comes to decision-making is just naming where things are coming from, Mm -hmm. even going as far as saying like, wow, this feeling, this energy that's coming up into my body is making me feel uneasy. Where is that showing up? Is that uneasiness showing up in my throat or is it showing up in the pit of my stomach? Because when it shows up in the pit of my stomach, I can almost map that back to other moments in my life where I felt that same locational feeling and been like, oh, that is, that is shame for having hurt somebody. This is a legitimately, um, this is a legitimate feeling that I should steer clear from, or is it coming up in my throat? Because if it comes up in my throat and that uneasiness is a little more like excitement, anxiety, I know that on the other side of that, like when I've done things in the past that give me this feeling, it's breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so mapping them to my body, starting to name them, really self-diagnosing, does it come from my programming? Does it come from fear or maybe guilt? Just started to almost like mind map what was going on in my body for me so that I could start putting my consciousness on where and when I wanted to make decisions. I love that. And the thing is that like with, with brain rewiring, when we teach this, the hardest part is always the beginning because the first thing you have to do is just be aware of your thoughts. Most people are having thoughts all day and they don't pay attention to them. Right. But to be able to ask, you know, where am I feeling this? Right. Why? Mm -hmm. Right. What's going on in my body? You first have to realize, Oh, I had this thought and what was it? Right. Or I'm having this feeling and what is it? Most people just zoom right past it and have no idea what they're thinking. And it's like that you have to like slow down and, and it's so meta. It's like, I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about all day. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, Oh shit, I say this to myself all all the time, or I keep telling myself I can't do that. Right. And so like, I think that's the piece for people. If you're listening and you haven't done that before, like it gets faster, but you have to slow down to be able to become aware of like what you're feeling and thinking to Mm -hmm. even ask why or where it comes from yeah yeah i think oh oh, sorry no i was gonna ask like what about you yeah well uh before i answer just piggybacking on Mm -hmm. what you just said um really like some people feel like i'm in this rut or i have this tendency or i why do i do this thing but what they don't realize is just the fact that you're noticing that you're doing the thing again even if it's something that you ultimately want to change about yourself 
just realizing that you're noticing it is growth because, I mean, we talk about, you know, the stages of learning that everyone goes through to just evolve and advance in any, in any situation, whether it's academic or spiritual or relationship, you have to go through these stages of, you know, I don't know that I know. Okay. I, or I don't know that I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. And then you go to, okay, I, I, I know that I don't know everything, but I'm looking, I'm seeking, I'm actively looking for the answers. And then you gain some knowledge and it's like, okay, now I'm actively practicing a new tendency, a new habit, a new pattern so that I can make it muscle memory. And that I don't have to think about it so in depth every single time I make this decision or every single time I interact with my partner. And so then you finally, like the goal is, is to get to where you're unconsciously competent where you don't have to think about it. And it just flows from you like muscle memory because you've done it so many times. So going from that stage of unconsciously incompetent to the next of, okay, I, I realize I don't have all the answers that is growth and it's something to be celebrated. But for me specifically, what was coming up is really this unattached curiosity. So being able to be introspective and curious about myself really primed my nervous system to then be curious about other things outside of myself, whether that's in the world, whether that's where my food's coming from or where my water's coming from or my connection to the divine. Or then, you know, when Chase and I finally, you know, reunited, it was being curious about his inner world too, that he's having his own complete, completely different experience because I've been I've been priming my nervous system by being curious about my own self for a, a good amount of time that it's not scary anymore. And you can almost have this unattached curiosity. And what I mean by that is being able to almost have like a third party perspective of what's going on inside of you or, or outside of you and just being like, huh, that's interesting. Rather than immediately labeling it as bad or evil or wrong, which is kind of our upbringing, right? Where we come from evangelical Christianity and no hate there, but we are taught from day one to label, is this good or is this bad? Is this godly? Is it not? Rather than just, just a sliver of the totality that we are as humans is it's everything. It's light and dark. It's good and bad. It's the potential for evil and the potential for love. It's fear. It's, it's the unknown and the known it's everything. And instead of labeling something immediately. And for me, that was like Chase mentioned, shame, guilt. Ooh, that was bad. I'm bad because I did this thing that was bad. Rather being like, huh, I wonder what led me, what programming or what, you know, what thinking led me down this path that really didn't end up in my favor, that really didn't end up where I wanted to be in life. What led me there? Is there a way that I could reverse engineer that? where I could just be curious about it and maybe rewire some things so that I can choose something different and get to where I actually want to be. So that unattached curiosity was really my gateway to becoming more conscious. It's so you like having to reverse engineer, especially if you come from like religious programming, having to reverse engineer that almost unconsciousness that's instilled in you is brutal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, yeah. Be, because it's it's essentially you are either good or bad. And when you're bad, 
you are programmed into immediately flogging yourself until you're worthy yeah. to be presentable. Yeah. So, or asking someone else for forgiveness as if your freedom lies in their hands. Mm-hmm. And that, that takes shape in a million different ways, you know, eating disorders, toxic relationships, over-exercising, you know, we could, mm-hmm. we could go on forever about how that shows up, yeah. but it's this programmed flogging of oneself to become worthy. Yeah. I just, it bring as you're talking, it just brings up so, so many memories for me of, you know, being in Catholic school and asking questions. It was like, well, if you do that, you're, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I'm like, wait, so I'm 10 and you're telling me I'm going to hell? <laughs> like, I, I, just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. And I remember saying this to my teachers. I'm like, wait, so like if I make one mistake in my, in my life, but if I'm great the rest of my life, I'm still going to hell. And they would just don't ask, don't ask. Right. And I'd be like, wait, but I'm confused. You're saying I'm a sinner and I'm going to hell. But like, I thought God is supposed to love me always. Yeah. And it was just like, don't ask. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> what honestly, else like, that remind us of? It, it sounds so simple. Like yeah. being curious sounds like, well, no, fuck, no shit. Mm-hmm. Duh. Be curious. But it was literally programmed into us to not be curious. Like what you're saying, like, yeah, don't be curious. Don't ask questions. And I feel like that, you know, that's happening in our, in our world today, just kind of collectively like, nope, don't ask questions. Yeah. Just go along with it. Just obey, just do the right thing. Yeah. And, um, I'm very glad that I took my own power back. I took my, I stepped into my own freedom a long time ago. And so I'm able to see what's happening outside of us. And I'm like, Oh, this, this seems familiar in a way. Yeah. There, there are so many layers to that curiosity thing. So I'm glad you brought it up, but I like, there's the, the programming, but then there's the, the amount of people that just simply don't want to know, mm-hmm. you know, there are some yeah. people I talk like, especially with everything going on in the world where I'm like, well, don't you, are you curious about this? Like, don't you think that's weird? It's like, and they're like, I just don't want to deal with the stress. So I'd rather just not know. Yep. Right. And it's like, so you just don't have the tools. You just don't have, have the tools at that point. Right. That's one type of person bringing it back to dating. This is something that I've always really struggled with in, in, in relationships. And it seems to be a conversation I'm having a lot recently is this lack of curiosity, you know, mm. and the type of person I am and the type of like our friends, right. This group, like we're all very curious. We're podcast hosts, we're coaches, we're like, you know, we're healer. It's like, Oh, I want to know yeah. everything yeah. about everyone. Figure, yeah, trying to figure and out a lot of universe. other people, like I know I, I come across this and I, I see this a lot of my friends. It's like, no one's asking questions. And it's like, are you even curious about me? Right. But the root of that is you can angle it in different ways. But I remember talking to Kaylee about this and she was like, well, if somebody doesn't want somebody else asking them deep questions, like if they're afraid of, of, of being asked themselves, they're not going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then underneath that is I was thinking about this, like, why am I so obsessed with learning about people? You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I will spend 12 hours on your human design chart. Right? Like, where does that come from? Because I'm so curious about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the amount of time I spend exploring myself, that's the foundation that allows me to then be like, well, you know, what about you? And I, Mm -hmm. I love getting in there. Right. But it's like, you have, you have to start with being curious about yourself Yeah, as within. Yeah. So without, and it's one of the things we talk about often in relationship and how we've structured part two is this, this idea of codependency versus co-creation and collaboration when codependency exists which is pretty prevalent in our modern world there is a desire to to have your partner be known predictable expected just stay in your spot Mm -hmm. so that we can depend on each other i can't depend on you 
if you're going to be changing all the time, <laughs> if, if you're going to be asking a bunch of questions yeah. about yourself yeah. all the time, yeah. when you have codependence, oftentimes what that looks like is you have one person who's somewhat out of balance. You know, there's, there's a, there's a gaping hole somewhere and it just so happens to perfectly fit somebody else's out of balanced gaping hole. So it seems like a match made in heaven. Unfortunate, and it creates codependence because you have to lean on that other person's strengths mm -hmm. to fill your deficiencies and vice versa. Well, if you do change as a human being, God forbid, which all of us do, you know, it's almost like rotating and the gaps are exposed and those people aren't any longer mm -hmm. able to fill each other. I think there are actually the occasional couples who can be codependent till death and it somehow functions. Mm -hmm. That being said, that doesn't happen with most. So if you aren't both mutually curious, and understand that you're going to be consistently changing and that there will always be an unknown and that you're freaking excited about that adventure, you can start to collaborate and co-create and continue to evolve what your relationship looks like, mm -hmm. knowing full well that you're going to have to keep this really fun game of getting to know each other forever up. Yeah. Well, that's what's exciting about it, right? It's like when people talk about, oh, like the honeymoon phase and then it's like boring. It's like, well, that's because you're not growing. Right. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, it's that, that level of excitement and newness and curiosity that you get when you're first dating someone like the whole way through. And yeah. I know we've talked about this, Mimi, you and I around, like, maybe you can talk about what it is exactly, but you're saying like, you guys will ask each other, like, there's like a question or something yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. cause you're always learning. I mean, mm -hmm. and you guys have known each other forever, yeah, right? Since you were 15. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you still are asking questions and learning new things about each other every single week, right? Yeah. Every single day. So what is, what is that practice? Yeah. It's a really fun practice that we do. Uh, so we, uh, really treat the dinner experience like a ceremony. So we always make it together. We're always kind of like, Hey, what should we make? What sounds good? and going back and forth. It's not like one person's duty. We buy into it and we really embrace it as quality time. And so we'll be in the dinner making process and, um, we don't do it every single night, but, um, more often than not, we'll say like, yeah, we should, let's come up with a question tonight. So in our own minds, while we're prepping dinner and everything, uh, sometimes we have a theme, like we might say like, okay, the theme is the future or the theme is kids or the theme is Harry Potter. Like it, it can it. be, it can be light or deep for yeah. sure. Um, and so we have this sort of theme that we're able to work around and we both come up with a question for each other, sometimes multiple. And we sit down, we're eating our beautiful meal and then we get into the questions for each other. And you know, it's, it's, it's fun to come up with questions that we've never asked before. And we've asked each other a lot of questions after, you know, 16 years of knowing each other. And it really just perpetuates this, this attitude and this openness in our relationship where we're, yes, it's fun to answer questions and to like go deep in conversation. And sometimes we have the vape pen, so we go really deep. Um, but aside from just the literal fun of the conversation, there's also this energetic expression of you're important to me to keep learning about. And I feel 100% open, honest, and authentic and safe in our relationship to go into these deep places with you and reveal literally my heart to you. That's how seriously I take my connection with you. So it's more than just the literal fun of the conversation. It's not just to know about each other. It's to continually express yeah. energetically that you, your inner world is so important to me and I want to know it on a deep level. It's play. 
but it's also this co-creative, you know, investment. So drastically different than part one. So let's go back to part one. <laughs> Everybody's heard the story at this point, hopefully. Um, 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would bring something up that was new or novel to each other in this relationship that we'd been in for 10 plus years when we were married. I guess, like you said, since childhood. And for me, it was maybe, I don't know if I'm buying this Christianity thing. I never really have. And actually, there's these other ideas that I'm really interested in. That was almost like a threat to the, the structure and the familiarity of the relationship. Or when Megan would bring something up that was outside of my definition of her, that definition that in my mind was needed to be consistent and stable Rational. and what a wife should be. And so when it was brought to my attention, let's say it was even something as simple as I want to change my hair or start wearing more makeup and getting more into clothes. And my definition was, hey, we've always been like really low key about that. I'm not really comfortable with this, you know, evolution of who you are into <laughs> yeah. wanting more makeup I'm not and hair. With that mascara right. over there. And, and so so it was <laughs> You're it, a sinner. <laughs> it was this threat to me, yeah. to us, yeah. to this relationship. And that is so drastically different than than now when topics are brought up that are completely batshit crazy sometimes, mm -hmm. but is fun in this in this yeah. kind of collaborative journey. It really injects more safety. Um, and, and that word is kind of loaded because safety could be taken as predictable, known, rational, consistent, right? People feel safe in those circumstances, right? But he and I feel safer when we are individually allowed to like really stretch our wings and dive into the weird stuff, read the weird books, watch the weird YouTube and, and, and to be able to practice that sense of intuitive, like, I think I'm supposed to dig into this deeper. I don't know why, but I, I'm really drawn to this. And the other person doesn't get like, oh, well, that's not what I believe. And that's not what we, you know, like, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of safety that I want is the safety to be myself and explore every facet of my being and my soul that is as deep as the cosmos. Like that is what I want. I don't want the safety of the predictability and the known and the rational and the, you know, convenient. I don't want that. Fuck that. We've had that. It doesn't, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve us. And the, that's really good feedback for, you know, anybody listening and really all of us, but as those feelings come up where, your significant other, or even just friendships or people in your family. I think siblings feel this all the time where it's like, you're behaving outside of the way that I've defined you. Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a trigger and a prompt for, whoa, I potentially have a codependent relationship with yeah. this individual Yeah. Uh, or vice versa. If you are feeling that energy off of somebody, that may be a good time to have a conversation or think about whether you need them in your life. I think by now we all know that I basically live off of beverages and people always ask me what I'm drinking. Every single morning, I drink Organifi green juice. I'm obsessed with it. If you want a natural energy boost without any extra caffeine, I highly recommend green juice. If you don't want to add caffeine to your routine, if you're not doing caffeine, or if you already had your cup of coffee and you just don't want to add more, can't recommend green juice enough. It is so delicious. It has this really unique like minty flavor. I like to just put a scoop in some water and then I put some nut milk in it and it makes it extra creamy. It's so good. I have it every single morning. And what I love about it is it really feels like an all-in-one product. So I used to every morning have a ton of powders I put into all of my beverages, but with green juice, I just put a scoop in and I get 11 different superfoods that are amazing for detoxifying the body. So I talk a lot about 
about natural support for detoxification. It is so important nowadays with all the toxins we are exposed to. And especially if you're working on raising your vibration, making manifestation your lifestyle, some gentle detoxification support in a natural way is going to be really helpful for your body. Plus it has some of my favorite foods for decalcifying the pineal gland if you're looking to upgrade your intuition. Seriously, it's all in one. So some of my favorite ingredients in green juice, moringa, which is incredible for improving skin health, naturally boosting energy. I got really into moringa a couple of years ago, the first time Darren Aline was on the podcast and mentioned it then. There's also ashwagandha in green juice, which is an Ayurvedic adaptogen that balances out the stress hormones in our bodies. Another reason why I love to have this in the morning, balance out my cortisol levels. There is also spirulina and chlorella. I try and get a lot of spirulina and chlorella into my diet. Algae is truly a superfood loaded with micronutrients and great for pineal gland decalcification. Green juice also has beets, turmeric, mint, wheatgrass, lemon, coconut water. All 11 ingredients work together to give you a natural detox support plus a natural energy boost. And it tastes so good. So if you want to hop on the green juice ritual, my favorite morning ritual, or try out any of Organifi's other products because I literally use them all, I'm telling you, I'm on the Organifi diet. It's real deal. Just go to Organifi.com slash CTC and my code CTC will get you 20% off your order. That's Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash CTC and that code CTC will get you 20% off your order and be sure to tag me on Instagram stories when you get your order in the mail so that I can see what you got. That resonates so deeply with me. I was was actually thinking about that um, last week. I was journaling and I was thinking about my sense of of safety in relationships and why have I always been someone who just pushed away like most relationships in my life, like didn't just didn't really want people to get too close. And I was thinking like, I don't really have a vulnerability issue. Like when, when I feel safe, I mean, I'll, I'll open, right. I'll right. floodgates are open. I was thinking, I was like, you know what it is. I've always felt like from a young age, because I've always thought deeply questioned things. My life is so fast changes so quickly. Right. I'm like, there was that meme. It was like new minute, new me, you know? (laughs) And it just felt like it was easier to not let anybody in than to, than to have somebody that I would have to like, like, how are you going to keep up with me? Or like, am I going to feel restricted that you want me to stay this way? Cause Mm -hmm. I just, I move way too fast, Yeah, you know? So I was literally thinking about that last week. And I feel like I'm sure a lot of people listening have been, have Mm -hmm. been in that boat. And that's why a lot of people don't make these, these life decisions, right. That their intuition is screaming at them to do, to leave that job or to take that leap or to change this friend group or explore spirituality because what is my husband going to think? What are my friends yeah. going to yeah. think? I think, I think something important to point out here, especially if someone's in relationship and they're at this kind of crossroads where they want to go deeper, whether it be spirituality or masculine and feminine work, conscious relationship or anything, anything, there is also a responsibility for you as the seeker to, in an open and honest and authentic way, communicate that to your partner, Mm -hmm. because we've both been in the situation where we haven't presented it to our partner in a healthy and authentic and and effective way. And maybe we're interested in this thing that's sort of fringe, but we also are, have some, you know, hesitancy or fear around what are they going to think? So we don't say anything 
and then we get deeper into it. And then it gets to the point where it's like, this is actually part of my life now. And, um, I'm sort of frustrated that they're not on board. Well, from the beginning, did you ask for their support? And so that's something that I think is really important for people to hear is if you are in that place, you don't even necessarily need your partner to be 100% on board with everything that you're learning all the time. You're, you're, you have two different paths, but what you can do for yourself and for your partner so that they don't feel blindsided and so that you actually feel supported is ask for it Mm -hmm. in a really um, open and uh, soft way. You can say, you know what? I found this book and it's just, I don't know why, but I'm so drawn to it. And I can really feel that it's, it's lighting me up and I'm super excited to jump in. And, you know, you might notice some changes in me. It's, it's, you know, it's on masculine and feminine and how they interplay in, in relationship. And I really want to go deep in this. And, um, I, it would just mean the world to me if, you know, if I could have your support in this and that if, you know, at the very least, maybe we could have some conversations about it as I'm learning, like, Oh, that would mean the world to me. Just knowing that I have your support. This reminds me of remember when we were talking about uh, coaching women through asking their husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same thing. Like, I yeah. really want to do this, and I appreciate yeah. your support. Right, totally. Um, what, what I want to like uh, going off of that, I think it's well, I know it's much easier to uh, start a relationship from a new energy than to shift the ingrained pattern. Mm-hmm. Right. So for people who are already in a relationship and maybe for a while they haven't been communicating very clearly. And now they're like, I really want to be in this place of co-creation and collaboration and not codependency coming from a place of, oh, we've been in this relationship forever long and we've already ingrained these patterns in like those can shift, but it's harder than mm-hmm. starting yeah, off, like totally. starting off for with, Hey, sure. this is how I come into the relationship. Cause yep. they learn you, they, they learn that you are somebody that shifts and changes and communicates clearly. So for people who are already in relationship, what suggestions would you give for them to start shifting those, mm-hmm. those patterns with communication? I think like starting off sitting in the educational process and getting your awareness around the masculine and the feminine dynamic is a really great place to start even before putting into practice some of the communication techniques and opportunities like we just kind Mm -hmm. of articulated. So I think zooming all the way back out, knowing what these archetypical deep meaning energies behind the way that relationships work will be just vitally important before you put anything into practice. And so, you know, what that is just for probably a two minute um, monologue on feminine and the masculine dynamic you know, for, for masculinity, we don't obviously mean males, but most men have a, a masculine essence as the dominant essence. Um, and, and it's completely possible for a woman to have a dominant masculine as well. Um, but masculine energy at large is it's penetrating. It is stable and safe. It can be anything from exercising and working out to it's kind of the, the business-minded individual or the business-minded energy. Um, it's tactical. It's left to right, top to bottom. It makes sense. It's organized. And so oftentimes that is the, the, the traditional masculine. It is the banks of the river to the wild river that is the feminine. Um, it is the container. It's, it's the fireplace for the burning fire that is the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Do you want to jump into the feminine? 
Yeah. So, um, I, I totally agree that having a, an understanding, a deep understanding of even just a fundamental, <laughs> even just a fundamental, uh, understanding of masculine and feminine, not only in yourself, but also how it shows up in relationship is it feels like turning on the lights after spending 10 years in the dark. Totally. Um, and that's really something that we had no clue about in part one. And I think that that is a really common mistake that a lot of couples make, um, is not having this understanding, even a fundamental understanding and not being scared to look at it. And so, yeah, you, you explain the, the masculine beautifully. The thing that I would add to that is that the masculine or the alpha, as I call it within talking within myself, because sometimes it doesn't feel it doesn't always feel accurate to say like my masculine feel, sometimes feels better to say my alpha. Um, so alpha is also taking responsibility for a situation or people or a person or whatever. Like if dude guy is driving, he is the alpha because he's taking responsibility of that car. So the feminine is the flip side, the yin and the yang, right? And it is flowing. You mentioned fire and water. It's always changing. It's never the same from day to day. And it's so reflective of the, uh, the female body that's changing literally every, every day of her cycle, right? Like we express differently every single, every single day. And so it is really reflective of, of change and it's receptive, it's radiant, it's, it is, um, the, you know, physical embodiment of love of light. And so those two things work together and play together in relationship. And I think having a, uh, an understanding of that really can help you as you approach these sort of more difficult conversations um, and not even just navigating the hard stuff, but also creating magic. Yeah. And I think, you know, so where that, after that education, uh, I think another thing I'll add is, is um, when those are out of balance in the same way that we've used the, the fire to represent the feminine and, and kind of the fireplace to represent the masculine. I mean, if there's no fireplace, the, the, the fire can run wild. I mean, everybody knows that wild feminine, it's an out of balance Mm -hmm. version of something really powerful, but out of control. And same with the rigid, tyrannical masculine. Mm -hmm. We've all seen when there's no creativity and no flow and no Mm -hmm. freedom, there is this rigid, tyrannical, uh, energy. And we've seen in our world all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, having an awareness of like the importance of balance is Mm -hmm. pretty massive. Um, similar to that though, is in the pursuit of love, when we talk about relationship, the feminine's route to love is through unity. The masculine's route to love is through purpose and mission and, and finding freedom. So it's like, if you look at the, you know, the, the peak of the mountain of being in relationship as love, the feminine, and the masculine take completely different routes to that, yeah. to that peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for the masculine, it's purpose driven. It's, I need to find something outside of myself that gives me this purpose and this mission such that I can achieve freedom and ultimately choose love. And for the feminine, it's, it's to experience your way and to feel your way through mm-hmm. uh, to accumulate enough feeling. You probably describe this obviously more to ultimately embody love. Yeah, I would say for the feminine, there will never be enough love. And for the masculine, there will never be enough freedom. And it seems like sort of a conundrum because it's like, well, shit, (laughs) 
aren't we supposed to be in relationship together? One wants freedom, one wants love, but it has to exist that way to give reference to the other. So they're completely relative and dependent on each other existing. Otherwise, you know, it's like left and right. If left doesn't exist, right doesn't exist either. It's just, it just is. Mm -hmm. If up doesn't exist, down doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It, it creates context in the fabric of our world. And if we don't have an understanding of that in relationship, you're going to feel directionally lost Mm -hmm. because it's like having no left, right, up, down. Um, and so, yeah, you said it beautifully. I mean, you can, you can get to the same peak of love of sacred union but you're going to be taking different roads. And if you don't understand that your partner is on a different path, you're going to feel like, Oh my gosh, as, as a feminine, he must not love me. He wants to work all the time. And and he, he might feel she doesn't respect me. She doesn't respect my work. She wants me home all the time. Well, I'm trying to provide for us. I'm trying to get us a a life that, that we can live together and we can be free together and do Mm -hmm. all the things. So if they're not communicating and don't have an an understanding, but also a celebration of those differences, those fundamental differences, um, you're going to feel like you're in the dark and you're going to feel alone. Totally. And and so like, you know, after you, after there's this general awareness or just getting familiar with what these energies mean, you know, practically putting it into practice, even going back to what we were talking about at the start of the episode, just wearing consciousness for a minute and going, whoa, that was masculine. Whoa, that, that was feminine. Even if something as simple as like, oh, the sun is masculine. Oh, the moon is feminine. Like getting comfortable with the verbiage mm-hmm. and the energies that these things embody. And you can start to see it in your relationship. Oh, wow. He's, he's totally in balance masculine. I feel completely safe in his arms right now. Wow. That is the balanced masculine or he is a completely out of balance masculine. He just came home and, you know, wrecked the kitchen and dropped a dish and completely screamed and dropped the F-bomb. That's completely out of balance, tyrannical masculine, or even in yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I still do it to this day. Like, oh, you know, Megan will come into the room and I'll be like super direct, like, you know, left, right, top, bottom, move there. And then I'll be like, holy shit. I was just so in alpha. I just completely gave you a list of to-dos like you were my employee. Uh, <laughs> But, but just observing it and naming it is, yeah. is a really healthy place to start. Mm-hmm. I think also, um, we're just on a riff right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Please continue. Um, also something that, um, I'm going to go deeper, uh, into my, in, in, when I'm in my course, deep love, but I think something that's really important is to understand because we are on a spectrum. I am not 100% Omega feminine and he is not 100%. We both have very strong uh, opposite energies, even if it isn't where I choose to rest, I choose to rest in Omega because that feels like home to me. And when we are intimate, I want to be receptive. I don't want to be penetrative and and vice versa. Right. But we're on a spectrum. So I might be like 70% Omega, 30% masculine and understanding which aspects of my life call me into both. So when I, you know, I, I suggest like making a table for people. We literally like do this in my course where it's like making a table and, and deciding or, or observing rather these different aspects of your life. Maybe it's okay. My work mode at home, you know, um, I lead a women's group. Um, I'm a mom, like all these different things are going to call you into a different aspect of alpha or omega and being able to look at, okay, this is what it's calling me into. Am I there now? Like, 
using an example of business, uh, you, you do need to turn on your alpha. You have to be decisive. You have to be ready to jump in the deep end of decision-making. You have to be quick. You have to be resourceful. You have to be determined and achievement oriented, right? Like goal oriented. You have to be in that if you want a successful business. And so using that example, I could look at that and be like, okay, this is calling me into my alpha. Most of the time, where am I at? Am I in balance? Am I, am I there? And I could easily look at that and be like, you know what? I'm not really like what, what's happening is I'm not setting up a container for my business. So it's bleeding into other areas of my life, like my relationship where I'm too alpha. I'm too, you know, I'm not setting a container in the right way so that I can show up and be my fullest in my work, but then also step outside the container and show up for my relationship where I do want to be Omega, Mm -hmm. where if I'm not setting up that container, he's going to feel my lack of Omega. He wants me present and in my soft juiciness, not like boom, boom, alpha, alpha, let's get it done. If you want a passionate relationship, I mean, if you want great sex, absolutely. If you want a, you know, partnership where you're, you know, both owning the firm and you're dictating a successful business together, it can actually work. Like you've probably seen parents, uh, especially in families who are both alpha, they're both kind of like decision makers Mm -hmm. and their family is run like a business. Mm -hmm. I would challenge, uh, that their sex life may not be great. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're able to have that energetic agility where they're like, Ooh, okay, we just were in alpha alpha mode for like an hour while we were wrangling up the kids and getting them bathed and in their pajamas and into bed. Um, but I'm ready to connect with you. So I am going to take five minutes or 20. I'm going to go have a bath. I'm going to get into my Omega and we're going to have amazing sex, or we're going to connect and watch a movie together, or we're just going to sit and talk. So having that ability to be able to jump is really important. And you can't do that unless you first have an awareness of which aspects of your life are calling you into each energy. And are you in balance or out of balance currently? How do I make that? How do I make that shift, that jump? It all starts with awareness. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I have so much. much There's so much here. There's so much good stuff. And it, well, it's funny because I mean, my, the type of person I work with is always the person that's, that's, masculine energy dominant, like I'm on both sides. So it's just interesting when I'm kind of seeing uh, what people are complaining about and what I'll just say, if anyone's listening, what, what always gets through with my clients when I'm describing the importance of learning like masculine feminine energy. Um, cause I mean, I have a whole lesson on this in, in biz school and it's the lesson that people are always like, holy shit, that changed my whole mm-hmm. life forever. Because I'm like, you have to understand the energetics of business to make this easier. And so when I, you know, sometimes I'll have clients like, I don't want to learn about that, whatever, especially men, whatever. And I'm like, look, if you were, if you had a business partner and you're building this new company, you would be reading books about different ways to, to make things work. You would be learning about how to balance things out. Who's going to be the integrator. Who's going to be the visionary, right? It's the same thing with your relationship. It's, it's the most important way you're collaborating. Mm -hmm. And when I frame it like that, it's like it clicks for, Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, right? It's like the same way. How would you approach? Okay. We're building this business. We're in partner. Yeah. We've got to figure this out. Who's playing what role? How do we balance each other out? It's the mm-hmm. same thing in your relationship. And that often makes it click for people. So if anybody's yeah. listening and you feel like that could resonate, you know, I, I find using analogies that speak to that person specifically yeah. will be helpful. Cause at that moment they're like, Oh yeah, I got to learn about this. Right. Totally. Does it make sense? But what's funny is like I was saying, most people who come to me are, are more of their masculine 
And I have, I have the woman who's more in her masculine energy who, who wants desperately a masculine man. Why do I keep attracting these feminine men? But then when he's in his masculine, when she meets him, she's triggered as fuck. Mm-hmm. He, so so tr- like so triggered. And then she won't drop into her, her feminine because, well, then I'm weak. Right. And I'm like watching all these dating games. And then on the other side, you have the, I just want an independent woman. I just want an independent, strong woman. She's doing her thing. Like she's not needy. And then, and then he gets her and he's like, she's too masculine. She's, mm-hmm. she's, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. everyone's just off. What's, what's, what's so funny about that example. And, and I've seen it, felt it, mm-hmm. um, is that what's funny about that is like the feminine, even if she is in her masculine is attempting to elicit a response from the masculine to be seen, to be felt. The funny thing about this is that the masculine, let's just say it's the man in this case, is in a really tough spot because if you respond with hostility because you're triggered, she will feel unsafe Mm -hmm. and it will cause an issue in the relationship. If you respond with, okay, fine, I'll do whatever you say. She is not attracted to that because it's repulsive. Going yeah, go, going <laughs> back to what the masculine and the feminine, uh, how this actually works with polarity, mm-hmm. is that for the woman to, or let's just say the feminine, to embody love is through unity. To find polarity, the masculine also needs to seek freedom, mission, purpose to find his balance, so that they can come together and unite in, in polarity. Mm-hmm. So when this moment comes up where there's a, there's a poking or there's an eliciting from the feminine to the masculine to get a response, what's funny is the masculine seems like, okay, if I, if I respond with anger, it's going to be a problem. If I just obey, it's going to be a problem. So what's funny is you actually need to deepen your purpose, deepen your mission, accumulate enough freedom that you say, no matter what, I have enough freedom and I'm going to choose you. So it's the choice. She's, what she's wanting is you to find enough freedom in your life that's evident that you can then choose her above all else. Mm. And so it's this weird like workaround mm-hmm. and, and taking a minute to be like, I understand that there's an articulation of feelings. The emotions behind it are real. Mm-hmm. There is a, there's nothing more intuitive than the feminine. Her emotions are real. She may not be articulating necessarily exactly what she needs, but there's something here. So I'm going to pause. I'm going to know that if I lean deeper into my purpose in life and create enough freedom, and ultimately, if I want to be with this person, I will choose them, that that's sort of the answer. I love that. And and what I'll say is, like, if I think about how this has shown up for me, like, this is all energetics, right? And, and how do we know what's going on there? Like, we feel it. Mm-hmm. And on both sides, it's dropping into your body, right? Because if I, I could say anything and like, he doesn't have to say anything, but if I feel him just like, stop, get into his body and stabilize the energy, that's mm-hmm. all I needed. Yeah. And there doesn't have to even be any talking. No, sometimes it's just a breath. Yeah. It's literally just mm-hmm. like, Ooh, he just deepened his breath mm-hmm. and he's, he's present with my energy. And that ultimately like makes you feel safe. It's not, it's not someone saying I'm safe. You can trust me. You know, it's <laughs> right, not, we're not totally. like dating Iron Man. Yeah. In it's... fact, in getting grounded, like in those moments, yeah. we're using this specific example where, where the feminine could potentially be a little fiery and, and a, a, attempting to elicit a response, slowing down your breath, mm-hmm. touching even like the lower half of their body, not like, creepy but like but like <laughs> but like literally touching them and like yeah. let's ground for a minute i hear you 
I hear you and I believe you. Let's just take a minute. Like just that alone just immediately mm-hmm. is like, okay, I'm safe. Okay. We're at least safe. We've established safety. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, you know, to your, to your original point of people wanting a masculine partner, but they're too masculine. So they're, they're not too, but they're, they're expressing too much of that. So they're, they're attracting literally like that is how nature works. Like you will attract the opposite. Right. And you know, I think that it's, if there is a woman listening who is in that situation, it's like, well, fuck, I keep attracting femme men and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to seem weak. I don't want to seem this way, or I don't want to do that. Part of the feminine is receptive and said another way is surrendered. You can't have, you know, like I'm making a, a hand signal here, but like if both partners are trying to penetrate, that's a problem. You have to have one that's receptive and open and surrendering. And one that is taking responsibility for the situation. That's the alpha and embodying trust and safety and breath and consciousness so that she feels safe to surrender. But oftentimes that doesn't happen at the exact same time. So whether you're in relationship, one person is, is going to have to decide usually first, I'm going to embody this because this is the type of man that I want to attract, or this is the type of work that I want us to be invited into together. But also if you're dating or single and kind of trying to find your person, it also takes solo practice to, to begin, um, getting your nervous system to a place where it is, it is familiar with surrender and familiar with, you know, feeling your body, what's happening in your body. The easiest way for, you know, a a female or a feminine essence to get into their feminine is to close your eyes and just pay attention to what's happening in your body. Get out of your head and, you know, listen to your body in in any moment. If you want to make a switch, just notice where, you know, there's four or five places where you're feeling pleasure in your body. You know, it could just be like, the breath in my lungs feels really good to take a deep breath or the sunshine on my face just feels so good right now. Or like my feet in the sand or on the earth or on the, the cold tile, like just feels so soothing right now. Like it it doesn't have to be sexual pleasure. It can be for sure, but also just like getting into your body and surrendering to your own pleasure gets you into your body out of your head so that you can then embody that and, and really attract the kind of man that you want. Um, you know, the type of conscious man also thinking about like, if you want a masculine man thinking about the partner that he's going to be drawn to, yeah, he's not going to be drawn to another masculine. And he might say, you've might've heard said, I want a strong, independent woman. What he really means is he wants a woman who is confident in herself. He doesn't want another alpha. He really doesn't. If they want that, you know, sexual flame and spark and passion, he wants somebody who is confident enough in herself to surrender to his ability to lead her in the moment. That's really what he wants. He doesn't want another, he yeah. may not want a CEO. He the, may want like, the masculine I want someone to trust me. Mm-hmm. The masculine is the stage and he wants Beyonce. 
Like mm-hmm. he wants freaking Beyonce to dance on his stage. Right? Yeah, what totally. about Britney? Yeah, or Britney. Yeah, you know? she's wearing a Britney, Britney shirt. Uh, circa two thousand five, maybe. Yeah, maybe love that. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I am so excited to announce that my new book, Manifestation Mastery: How to Shift Your Reality and Co-Create with the Universe, is officially available for purchase right now. This book is a really comprehensive guide to manifestation and how the energetics of attraction really work. It is the perfect resource if you are ready to really learn how to raise your frequency, become truly magnetic, and make manifestation your lifestyle. If you really want to understand how manifestation works, I highly recommend checking out this book. The book is a completely channeled text and is super activating. So only get your hands on it if you are ready to truly shift your life. As always, I am so grateful for all of your support during this launch. The way that this community has supported me, it truly, truly means the world. And I really couldn't have done this without you. So thank you so much for that. And as an extra thank you for anybody who leaves a review for the book on Amazon, you can submit that at manifestationmasterybook.com and get a free bonus chapter that goes along with the book that no one else has access to. So if you want to be one of the first people to get your hands on this book, Manifestation Mastery, and if you want that free bonus chapter, just head to manifestationmasterybook.com and you can find all of the information there. You can head straight to Amazon to find the book as well. When you get it, be sure to tag me on social media at Christina the channel so that I can see that you're reading it. I can see which parts you are loving and I can repost you and say thank you so much for supporting me with this book. And if it does resonate with you, tell everybody you know. Let's spread the love. Let's spread the high vibes, all of the manifestation magic. That is my goal with this book. So again, all information you can find at manifestationmasterybook.com. And I can't wait for you to get your hands on this. If we bring this back to like from part one to part two, Mm -hmm. did you guys talk about this? Like, like where were you at in your own journeys with masculine feminine learning about that when you reunited? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So I, uh, when we reunited, I was still very thirsty. Let's be real. I'm still thirsty. I'm never going to not be thirsty for this knowledge because it's completely transformed my entire life, not just my love life, but every aspect. Um, but where I was at was I had been in the, um, relationship space, kind of hearing from some not so great teachers and reading some not so great books and seeing how that played out in my life to really like this snowball effect. Define that like the was that the books that were like, yeah, it's literally and... called the rules and it's, it lays out it's have like you heard manipulation of and codependence. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's yeah, manipulation. Okay. Yeah. And it was recommended to me by a friend Yeah, and she was like, dude, this works. Like try it. It works. Well, it's like, it's like trying to lose weight, but going to bodybuilding.com versus yeah. like, yeah, like really learning about totally. health. Yeah. yeah. It actually does work. Like it works, but it's like, works. it does work, but it doesn't. <laughs> What's what, sustainable? What works about it is that you do get the person's attention, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't 
it doesn't pour the foundation of a conscious relationship. Mm -hmm. It pours the foundation of a manipulation and coercive relationship. Yeah. So absolutely do not recommend those books, uh, but I'm glad I read them because I had the context of what truly a conscious relationship, uh, you know, uh, dynamic or, or content looks like. And so I had start. that's where I started out, dated for a while figured out like, Oh, this actually sucks. Because it wasn't like I needed a deep man and it was only eliciting very shallow men. And um, um, I, I heard there's this good book that talks about this. It's called Manifestation Mastery. And they yeah. Talk about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. about foundational no frequency. Yes. And, totally. uh, that you'll attract whatever the foundational frequency is of, yeah. of your intention. Hell yeah. That book is, is, uh, <laughs> has, okay. it has climbed the charts <laughs> of my favorite books for sure. Um, but yeah, then it, it just snowballed. Like if you stay thirsty for this stuff, yeah. what, what is meant for you won't miss you. Totally. It comes to you and you just have to keep your eyes open and follow those nudges, follow that intuition. Um, so I was following my intuition. I was going to live events with John Wineland was my first teacher in this conscious relationship space, ate up everything he had to offer. And then just little by little found other teachers who were of the same mind that it, it felt so much better in my body because really what it is going from the rules is a a, literally a list of rules that you have to remember. (laughs) You don't ever just it never came as second nature to me. I was constantly playing a chess game well, in my authentic. mind. No, right. Yeah. So yeah. really learning the masculine and feminine because it's the microcosm and the macrocosm, like as within, so without, it shows up everywhere in nature. It yeah. is part of us. So when you learn about these fundamentals and that's where I did, it wasn't like I had to remember everything. There's still things that you have to like practice and kind of rewire in your brain if you've had a certain amount of programming in your life. Um, but it felt so much more authentic because it's literally how the world works. Yeah. So answering your question, coming back to that, I was on a snowball journey of finding, you know, teachers like John Wineland and everything. And we didn't really have a conversation of, hey, this work is really important to me, but we were both working on embodying in our own ways, which energetically, automatically, organically magnetized us to the other, literally calling the other back in without trying. Neither one of us was trying to get back together, but because we were embodying this work, it, we couldn't not be together. And that's literally how it happened. Yeah, it was. You guys, can I just say this? I'm like, you guys are like textbook manifestation. Like, release it. <laughs> yeah. And if it's for you, it comes back to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you, you still you have to. Miss totally. It. You can't miss you. Yeah. You still have to embody it, though. You yeah. have to embody the frequency, right? But it's about authenticity, right? It's totally. like, release it. You become the most you yep. you yes. can be. And if it's for you, it comes back. Yeah. So you don't 100%. need to be afraid of releasing. No, that, that was my, my path. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't like reading relationships books. Yeah. Um, I. I lo- knew looking back on our relationship, I was like, wow, I did not create safety. Yeah. I did not create safety in the relationship. And, and I, I am obviously not good at um, communicating and embodying safety around the feminine. So I tried um, to do that, just that very thing, whether that was with my friends or with girls that I would date. It was instead of walking into an environment where there were women and, you know, like so many men are encouraged to do, like tunneling in on the girl you want or are interested in it was more of a i'm going to be safe to the feminine everybody so it's hey hey like i'm comfortable calling every single girl in this room room beautiful and worthy and having a conversation with them with no expectation that there's going to be anything in return 
And so it was a practice of establishing some really incredible relationships with women as friends. It was not giving a shit about an achievement. Newsflash, guys, you cannot achieve the feminine. You can achieve, you can have a mission, you can have a purpose. I've been talking about that a lot. But that can't be looked at towards the feminine. I can't just achieve you. So pull back and become the container for the feminine. It's safety. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. confidence. It's stability. And it's friendship before Mm -hmm. anything else. And so for me, I knew that was so apparent in my life that my relationship to the feminine was not safe. Never really done the fuckboy thing very well. So that (laughs) didn't really work. But what did was just being safe yeah and being confident isn't and it stable isn't it weird isn't it like surreal to think about him not being safe for the yeah. feminine like well, it, 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 you just exude that you ooze that now and it's like it's so weird to even for me and i was in that experience with you to but, think about you not being safe is like pff, so weird but it can even be insecurity it doesn't yeah. have to be anger it can yeah. like, it can be insecurity totally. I, i'm insecure about in my own skin, I'm insecure about my job and mm-hmm. I, I feel inferior. And if you let that sit on you for too long, yeah. that will el- emit this, I'm not a safe masculine. Mm-hmm. I wish I could draw a, a picture of just like what I'm seeing as you're describing it, because I feel like it makes it so clear. It's like the shift from being overly penetrative and like projecting this like I want you, I'm going for you, or I'm insecure. I want this. And it's like this, imagine like a beam of energy that it's literally repulsive, like to, to the woman, it's like, Whoa, I'm getting literally pushed back by this versus chase. What you're saying is like, I'm just a container, like I open arms, come Mm -hmm. on in. And that, and she's like, Oh, what's over there? It's intriguing, right? It kind of gives you this little bit of curiosity. Like what's this guy about rather than, I mean, every girl's felt that where they feel like a piece of meat Mm -hmm. to a guy that just can't hear the word no Mm -hmm. and then too many times and then they start to actually get like aggressive or whatever like and unfortunately our world is so unbalanced that that leads into codependency Mm -hmm. and there are out of balanced feminine who actually need that out of balance penetrating masculine and it sparks and it creates fire like really dangerous yeah relationships toxic relationships relationships, but they appear by our world's definition to work when you have the one night stand at Mm -hmm. the club. Yeah. I think what you said about achieving the feminine, I think, unfortunately that is the attitude a lot of uh, not just the men, but, but of both people going into marriage, it's like marriage is the, the end goal, right? Like the wedding, you know, we put so much emphasis on the wedding and not that there's anything wrong with having a good party, but there should be equal or more emphasis and energy put to, okay, but what about the day after the wedding? Yeah. How are we investing in our relationship? Um, rather than just the party that is the wedding. And, and I've, I've heard that from so many people. We heard from literally this, uh, a friend this weekend that was like, I didn't know what to look forward to after, after my wedding. I felt like, God, it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have anything to look forward to after the wedding. And, And that's, I think, really common in relationship is that the wedding is the achievement. And then the relationship just kind of like, "Eh, we'll we'll figure it out. It's wild. I I think another big realization for me transitioning into part two, and it's something that we've been able to like put narrative to and articulate now. And we just sort of felt our way through it. But the realization that your relationship can create the 
fairy tale kingdom from an energetic perspective that you can't get maybe anywhere else in your life. The external world, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your you know extended family, maybe it's other priorities that are external, just involve too many other energies, too many other randoms and one-offs and mm-hmm. things that you're not able to nurture enough to ultimately feel like you have bliss in your environment, but your relationship. And I think this is the beauty of sacred union. I think it's the real deep intention of what marriage should be, where you've committed yourself to somebody. It's that, Hey, we get to create our world where we get to be the king and the queen Mm -hmm. and have fairy tale Mm -hmm. freedom and bliss because it's just you and me. And if we co-create this thing together, it, we can fill ourselves up to the degree that you would see on, yeah. you know, movies and stories and, and real archetypes that we'll never be able to get externally mm-hmm. or, or it's going to be significantly more difficult. So I just realized that, wow, I can feel really fucking amazing just by beautifully creating a world with Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. It's like really, it's, it's simple when you put it in those terms. Yeah. I, I want to talk about, I absolutely love that. And I want to talk about what were the tools that you used to co-create that. And with that, we can spin in like some of the mistakes people make. Yeah. Well, I think we already touched on a big one, which we can certainly go deeper into. Um, but that's definitely the, the uh, understanding of polarity inside yeah. of ourselves yeah. and in relationship. The deeper you understand, the more you understand about the masculine and feminine and how they play together, the more spark you will be able to create in your life, not only on the day to day, but inside the bedroom as well. Like you hear that from people all the time, like, yeah, we lost the spark or, Oh, I really would love to get the spark back. Or, you know, people stray because they want to feel that spark again. Right. Well, you can continue to develop that with your partner. Um, I, one more thing on that, because there are other tools that I think we can speak to easily, but you mentioned king and queen, like building this kingdom, right? This king and queendom. Um, I think wanting your partner genuinely, authentically, I want Chase to feel like a king, not a tyrant, not a, a high chair prince, which are the out of balance, right? I want him to feel like a fucking king. And so I'm going to do my best. I'm not perfect at it all the time, 100%. But I'm going to do my best to make sure that he feels like a king. And he does that for himself, too, the way that he shows up for himself in our relationship. But when I am putting that energy to, oh, man, I just I want to speak into him. I want to speak to I want to speak to the areas that I trust him completely. I want to praise him when it's applicable, you know, not 10 times a day, every day, but when I'm really feeling it, I want him to know that I trust him completely or that I'm so proud of him in this area. I want him to know that I admire him more than anyone else in the world. Yeah. Ladies, if you're listening, like give your dude a compliment, especially if it's like in front of other people, 
Mm-hmm. As if he was, you know, revered like a king and just watch his like chest. He, yeah. And that's you know? the thing. He will show up differently. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I hear from women. I heard this after my emasculation masterclass. Literally one girl said when I was talking about praising your man in the ways that you really trust him. She was like, I'm scared to praise him too much because I don't want him to then get this inflated ego and then like ultimately leave me or treat me badly. Mm. And I understand what she's saying, but. It's not an, it's not inflating. Yeah. Yeah. It's not inflating his ego. It's being so, I'm so confident that what I have to bring to the table is going to add to our relationship that I'm showing up for myself and for you. So I don't have any problem speaking into you because I am 100% confident that no one can love you like I can love you. So uh, there's no fear around speaking into you because when you puff your chest or you feel like, I feel good. He feels energized by that to then also show up to the relationship and do the same for me. It's, it's not the, you completely complete me. It's you complete yourself. And that energizes me to show up in the way that you deserve. Yeah. I think zooming out, it just highlights this, like the normalization of the toxicity where it's like, oh, we're married. And we love each other. And the way I show up is I don't even express my love for you because I I, I don't want your ego to get too big mm-hmm. and you leave. Like it doesn't make right. any sense. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a competition, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's You have gotten into a space where you're trying to compete yeah. and one up each other rather than, than, like Chase has said so many times, create together. What can you create together mm-hmm. with your love rather yeah. than this one upping energy? And that's, that's a perfect kind of transition into a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, interest in masculine and feminine dynamics and how to, how to identify them and feel them out in yourself that the course will go hella yeah. deep into that because we could do hours on yeah. that. <laughs> and then, then there's unlimited examples, which we'll continue to, to spell out. But going back to a tool, we call this scorekeeping. So when you're in relationship and there's a scorekeeping energy where, you know, you left the sock on the ground, but last week you didn't grab the specific kind of beer that I wanted at the grocery <laughs> store. And so there's this sort of like scorekeeping game yeah. that it's subtle. It's actually not said between the mm-hmm. partners until shit blows up and shit hits the fan. And it's like, hey, you didn't pick somebody, you know, so and so up from the soccer game. And it's like, <laughs> well, you know what? You didn't grab the groceries last week when I really needed something. And, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then it's like, well, you didn't go to my mom's funeral. Yeah. And then it gets fucking, oh, and then it's yeah. escalating and getting worse. Yeah. And so like, stop the scorekeeping mm-hmm. and pivoting scorekeeping from immediate feedback and communication when these energies are arising, where you're triggered to want to scorekeep or you're triggered to want to tell yourself a story about what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So we like to say. There's always a thing behind the thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a little bit on the, on the first podcast, I think. But the thing behind the thing about Chase leaving his socks on the ground is that I wasn't listening and I didn't respect the request from Megan that said, hey, can you keep just the laundry off the ground? And so what we encourage people to do is when moments like this come up, independently both go, What is the thing behind the thing? What is the story that I'm telling myself? And so bringing that then, once you've kind of taken inventory of that story and what the thing behind the thing you, you, you know, potentially think is going on, 
is you just bring it to each other. Hey, babe, this is what happened. What I'm telling myself right now is that you don't respect me. And that's the thing behind the thing. Can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Setting, just changing the language and setting that, I'm going to put this scorekeeping on the side for a minute and getting, getting to the thing behind the thing can actually set up for a significantly more, you know, mm-hmm. progressive conversation. Yeah. Can I add just with that, just putting it together for people, like we talked about curiosity before, and I think this is why it's so important to learn about your partner's childhood and their relationship with their parents and their parents, because then when you have that conversation about the thing behind the thing, it makes sense. It's like, we can have the awareness of, Hey, this is reminding me. I remember how I told you, like my dad used to do this and it made me feel this way. That's why I'm getting triggered right now. And so I think having that like fundamental understanding of Mm -hmm. that person's, you know, wounds that, that makes those conversations go so much, so much easier. Yeah. It injects empathy, right? Because we're all just, we all have our inner child that's wounded by certain things that needs healing. And if you're able to understand that about yourself, okay, I'm owning my triggers and I'm making them known to my partner. Like, yeah, it just took me right back to 10 years old when my dad was yelling at me for this thing. And I, I, that's why I retracted and I shut down completely because every time I got in trouble when I was a kid, it meant that I was going to be isolated from the family and I would shut down anyway. So I just, you know, learn to not bring up my, my feelings. And so that's why I, you know, like being able to speak to that, then taking that to your partner rather than the superficial details of the circumstances, because I think it's so easy to get into arguments. Like we hear that from people all the time, like everyone that's on movies and TV and you know, where it's like, people don't usually fight about big things. They're fighting about little things. Stupid shit. Who left, you know, the dishes in the, in the sink who, you know, didn't clean up this or didn't do that. And it's never the, the actual surface level Mm -hmm. shit. (laughs) And so we've done this practice and no one taught it to us. It was just like, okay, it seems like there's, there's something behind the words that you're actually saying. Let's, let's skip the BS of the superficial stuff. Let's go immediately to you know, what this is bringing up for me or, or this is what I'm feeling in my body. And, you know, being able to speak to that with clarity to your partner, um, it allows for so much more of a productive conversation. Not only are you learning more about yourself and your stories and your programming, but you're also like able to learn that about your partner. And then that also lays the foundation for you to continue to go deep together. It's funny. It actually came up because we would, in part two, we would start arguing about stupid shit. And we'd be like, wait, we've been really deep into stuff, like really, really deep into our relationship. Can we skip all this bullshit and go actually to what's behind it? it? Mm -hmm. And then we just started calling it. What's the thing behind the thing? Well, the thing is, I don't feel valued. Yeah, I'm telling myself a story that I'm not valuable enough to you. Yeah. Yeah. But so underneath all of us, though, is communication, which is like everybody's problem, right? People Mm -hmm. aren't able to communicate clearly. And I think that goes back to first of all, knowing yourself, right. So that you can articulate things about yourself, because if you don't even know, you can't even express it to that person and they can't understand. Um, I think there's also the safety piece, right? If you don't Mm -hmm. feel safe, you're not even, you're just going to feel like I'm paralyzed. I can't communicate. Mm -hmm. So having that safety in the relationship. Um, but I think there's this piece of like, a lot of people feel like there's never a right, there's never a good time. Like when do we bring up this stuff, you know, and Mm -hmm. there might be times, I mean, you talked about this in your masterclass when, maybe in public isn't the time to be like, no, you're wrong about that. Right. right? Like, right. so yeah. maybe that's not the time to call them out. Right. Yeah. So 
how does somebody like, let's talk about more about communication yeah. and what yeah. helps you like foster that. And like, when are you bringing up the, the bigger things? Yeah, no, it's a really, really great question. And a couple things come to mind. I would say, again, it comes back to masculine and feminine me because I understand that Chase has a masculine essence and he is fucking purpose driven AF. And one of the things that I love most about him is that he, if he has a problem in front of him, he can shut everything else out and work single focused on the problem in front of him. That's why he gets so much done because he's in it. He's in the Mm -hmm. zone. So because I know that about him and if I have something on my mind, I'm not going to just come up to him, come into the, to the kitchen when he's working on an important email or, you know, on a task and be like, I really want this, or this isn't happening, or this is what I'm feeling. Bleh! And you like, you know, word vomit on the person. Yes, it may be authentic for you, but is it effective? No. So having that understanding about like, okay, he's in the zone, he's working. This is really important to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to literally make an appointment with him. And not only out of respect for him, but also productivity of our growth and relationship, he's going to hear me. I'm stacking the deck in my favor because I know he'll hear me better if I do make an appointment with him. So it can be a, some, something as simple as, Hey babe, I know you're busy and I can see that you're working hard on something. Whenever it's a good moment for you, I have, I have something important I want to share with you. We literally do that with each other every day almost. Well, that's a secret sauce, right? Is like not waiting until shit hits the fan yeah. to, to create this muscle of, Hey, we're going to have a dedicated time to have a connection. You know, we, mm-hmm. we call them check-ins, which you can get into, yeah. but do them frequently enough that you don't wait for when shit hits the fan to have mm-hmm. this yeah. kind of interchange. Well, let me, I'm literally, I'm injecting cause I'm thinking of, I've been <laughs> somebody that I know who <laughs> she was going to listen to this and I keep telling her, bring it up, bring it. It's been six months. It's been eight months. Right. And she's like, well, he's really stressed. He's so much going on at work. Well, it's not a good time. He's going to be really tired. And it's like, I think a lot of people get in those cycles. It's like, well, mm-hmm. he's been working late nights every single you know day and I don't want to overwhelm him. But then it's like, so what? Now it's eight months later right. and you yeah. haven't talked about it. It's not serving the relationship yeah. individually or together yeah. to do that. And I, I, I know that well. Mm-hmm. I know that frequency well of suppression. We can tell ourselves all sorts of explanations and stories of why now is not a good time. Yeah. But really it's, you know, it's, it's like saying that the course is too expensive, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. If you know that you need to do yeah. this, but m- money's an easy thing to hard, mm-hmm. hide behind, right? You talk about yeah. that all the time. It's an easy go-to. So saying he's stressed. I used to tell myself that all the time in part one. Well, I know he's really stressed at work and I don't want to add to his plate. I don't want to be a burden. So many women. And we think that it's sort of this like, you know, um, admirable quality that I'm thinking about him, but really no, you're thinking about you not yeah. wanting to feel like a burden you're hiding. When, when really you may not just have you may not have the right tools to bring it to him in a way that is authentic, feels authentic for you and is not emasculating to him so that you can actually get somewhere in the relationship. So yes, I use that example of like making an appointment with, Hey, I have something important to tell you. I can tell you're busy. You know, um, that's probably maybe not something that's super serious, but like something that we need to, we need to talk about today for, you know, X, Y, Z. But if it is something that's really serious and you need to actually have a sit down conversation about it, you know, coming out, you know, flaming hot and just throwing it at him like word vomit is going to get you nowhere. 
So stack the deck in your favor. And again, make a, an appointment with him. And hey, I have something that's really important um, that I want to talk to you about. When would be a good time to, to sit down and talk for you? Um, and, you know, we, like you already mentioned, Chase, uh, we have this tool that we use frequently called the check-in and we're doing a masterclass soon on, you know, really going in deep on examples of this. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's an appointment that you make with your partner so that you can get on the same page again, so that you, you are able to deliver in a, in a nice, beautiful package, what you need more of from your partner but it's packaged in this beautiful wrapping paper that is uh, things that you love about them and things that they're doing so well and the ways that you trust them and the ways that you know that you're showing up to the relationship well. So it's you're still getting the point across of what I need more from you in this moment or in this cycle of our life or whatever it is. Um, I need more of blank from you. That comes later after you've already talked about, man, what you're doing so well right now. I love that. Oh, you're coming up to me in the middle of the day and just hugging me randomly. Like it really makes me feel good because it, it just makes me feel like we're connected and that you're thinking about me. And I just am reminded of how important our relationship is to you. And that, Oh man, it lights me up. Yeah. So this, so this is the check-in structure that we uh, embody. Um, and it's a series of questions that you ask each other some of which have nothing to do with what's going wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, are just naming, appreciating, and honoring what's working really well. Mm -hmm. And so many of the times, because the intention of the check-in is not to wait for big things. It's to do them frequently. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes our check-ins are all positive. They're yeah. all really yeah. great. We really do have to think for a while on like, okay, what, what are not, but what, how often are these? The, so it, it, de it depends. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say early in our part two, we were doing them more frequently. Um, it can be a, Hey, let's do this once a month just to get on the same page. If you're like really in a growth stage of your relationship, um, I would recommend it like once a month would be great to do. You could do it once a quarter if you're a little bit further along and you don't have like huge things. Uh, for us, we do it as needed. Yeah. So, and, and we've, we've set uh, this isn't like a super masculine regimented calendar, but every Thursday we go on a date and it's not like date night Thursday. It's actually, we call it Thursday. We carve out a portion of our day to go out to coffee. We have, we've been doing this I love every Thursday since part two, because um, we wanted to do something like instead of waiting till after work and after all of our obligations, we wanted to flip it on its head and do it first thing. So mm -hmm. it's the first thing on a Thursday. We prioritize each That's other. That's such a good tip. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. This should be the priority. Let's, let's actually, it'll feel like a little vacation will mm -hmm. not work for these couple hours. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes they're on a Thursday. We also do what we call adventure days where even if it's just locally, we'll pick an environment or a neighborhood. Maybe we'll go up to North County. Maybe we'll go to the farmer's market. And it's an adventure day where we just kind of don't have a schedule, but we go to a location and kind of use our feet and our yeah. senses to Explore. figure out what we want to do. So it's these little things that we've implemented in part two that organically will be like, hey, when we do adventure day this week, or hey, when we do Thursday, uh, you just want to do a check-in? Mm -hmm. And then it's not this like, I have something to talk to you yeah. about, like really awkward. Yeah. I think we that's the hard part is people like, I think sometimes people feel like, oh, I want to bring this up, but I don't want him to be like on edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because I've had that before in relationships where I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to share something with you tonight. Like, are you available? And it's, it's not even anything bad. It's like, oh, this happened. That was good in my day. Yeah. And I want to like, just share what was going on. And I want you to be present. And then I've had the, like the person be like, well, what's wrong? 
and and then suddenly they're like knocked out. Like, well, can we talk about it now? Yeah, I'm like, totally. no, it's not even yeah. a, we don't need to freak out. It's like a good thing. You know? And I think yeah. a lot of people, especially if it is something that needs to be improved upon, right. They're like, they're, they're nervous yeah. to even mm-hmm. bring it up. Yeah, totally. No, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to bring up. And, yeah. and one, I mean, not that your energy in that situation was like off putting. It could be that that person has some stuff that they need to heal, maybe in the way of like insecurity or being, you know, confident in themselves. Um, but you know, definitely being mindful of your energy, mm-hmm. um, you know, having like an open, soft heart, uh, like, Hey, I would love to talk to you about something that's really important to me. Uh, when is a good time? Um, but build the muscle. Like coming full circle to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, where we're talking about having really fun dinner conversations, get comfortable being like, Hey, I want to talk about Harry Potter tonight. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) I want to talk about our family dynamic tonight because I got this idea that maybe I'm dealing with something that was caused by my dad Mm -hmm. and just like getting comfortable, having deep conversation and setting and dedicating time to them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Hey, uh, the dinner, we're, we're using the dinner um, question uh, idea where it's like, hey, when we sit down for dinner, I got a question for you. And yeah. the topic is going to be mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. Getting, building that muscle into your relationship of setting containers for deep, safe, vulnerable conversation. Mm-hmm critical otherwise it's going to be clunky mm-hmm. yeah well and then that person isn't trained to think oh every time we have to talk about something yeah. it's bad it's, a problem, it's like yeah. oh what mm-hmm. is it? it could be great totally you know and i also think like as you were talking about the the check-in and how and you talked more about it in the master class like more in depth but just how it's a lot around praise and what are we doing well right what do we like but you have to be confident in yourself to to be able to give words of affirmation Right. So it's like, that goes back to, we've talked about this, how you, you talk about as one of your pillars, the self-love piece Mm -hmm. for both of you, you talked about this a lot with the previous podcast. And I think that's something people are just glossing over, but that's why that's so foundational because you can't communicate clearly. You can't give praise. You can't really express words of affirmation if you're insecure yourself. Yeah. You also can't (laughs) let go of jealousy. Like how many people deal with jealousy in relationship? And it's honestly not something that we deal with, even though we're living in Southern California and there's literally hot people everywhere you look, we are, (laughs) we are 0% jealous because one, we've addressed our own, like you, like Mm -hmm. you said, like self-love. And that's such a fluffy term because everybody has a different definition. And the way that I look at it is self-love in the form of self-knowledge. Yeah where I am constantly curious about myself again with that unattached curiosity where I'm not labeling myself. I'm not saying, Oh, I'm bad or I'm good or I'm this or I'm that. It's just kind of a, huh? Interesting. Why is that coming up for me? Um, and, and if you can learn to do that for yourself, you will, you know, whether it's looking back at your childhood, looking at your programming, Oh, it's because I was raised within this religion or in this family dynamic, or because my dad was abusive. Oh, that makes sense that it would come out this way in relationship. And instead of hating that part of yourself or not liking that aspect of yourself that you would love to change, just acknowledging it and looking at like where it's rooted in your life. Um, honestly, like that is the way that I show love to myself is by knowing myself on a deep level Yeah, where where I use this analogy often when we are asked about marriage, when I think about marriage, but marriage in the way that it's turned into in 2022 to me is like 
putting a life jacket on and jumping into the ocean of love mm-hmm. and being able to swim in the ocean of love by having marriage. You're, you're secured by this contract. We like to say that forget the 3D ter- world term of marriage. We are swimming in the ocean of love without the life jacket, without the contract. That ability to tread water is self-love. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not relying on the other person to keep you afloat for a minute and then drowning a little bit and letting the, it is self-love, baby. That is the freaking treading of the water in the ocean yeah. of love that will allow you deep partnership and connection. Not saying you can't have a, a great marriage or that I'm totally against marriage. <laughs> <laughs> But what I am saying is that if you want to swim in that ocean of love, especially yeah. if it's with somebody else, you better be one like mm-hmm. badass at treading water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is the Titanic is not romantic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a good point because um, I think to your point, you're not saying that marriage in and of itself is a bad thing or whatever, but one of the results of having a legal contract with someone is that you get apathetic, Mm -hmm. you get complacent, you get comfortable. Like, yeah, I got them or, you know, I've achieved them. Why do we need to work on this? We're together. It's fine. And, um, not having that. Or like they're my source of validating because I can't Mm -hmm. do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think once you, uh, once you, you can be married and still think like I'm showing up and I'm swimming in the deep end, I'm swimming in the ocean with my partner and I'm not relying on the, you know, life jacket. I'm not relying on them to keep me afloat. It's like, I'm loving and learning about myself on a deep level. And then it like, again, like prepares my nervous system to accept that from you. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of women it's, you know, this when a deep conscious man looks in your eyeballs and is there with you and 100% present, it can be like, Oh, oh like kind yeah. of like off putting almost because it's like, they're fully seeing you. Yeah. So you have to be embodied. You have to be strong in yourself. You have to be sure of yourself to know like, okay, I'm worthy of this. I'm here. I am accepting. I am receptive and radiant with you looking at me because I know that you fully see me. It's not scary. It's energizing. It's amazing. And that's what we all truly want. But it's like, I want people to see me. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. And it it can be unnerving if you're, if you're not in it yourself. Well, I feel like with that conversation, it's like, redefining what marriage means to people right because it's it goes back to that classic question it's like do you want a wedding or do you want a marriage and then what do you think when you think of marriage because we people don't think of it as what it really is which is which is union Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and i think just the whole concept of like what is sacred union Mm -hmm. right you have to be on the same page as as the other person and you can't enter into sacred union if you don't know yourself you're not stabilized within yourself Mm -hmm. right if you don't know all of yourself so you know, I think it's a real reality check for people. Like, wh- why am I getting married to this person? You know, and even, um, and I want to move to your course in a second, but I had posted this yesterday because this is a question that this is something that I've explored with a lot of friends and it sounds harsh, but honestly, it's, it's true. Like people think, Oh, I love, but I love him. I love her. I love them, but I love them. And it's like, but do you respect them? 
And I think that's a differentiating mm, factor yeah. because to be honest, and it sounds brutal, but it's like, there have been times in my life where I'm like, yeah, I love that person. And I'm like, but do I, de- do I deeply respect them? And I'm like, no. And if I don't respect you, this is just isn't equalized, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's totally. like, that's when we realize like that wasn't really love then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's right. an attachment. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So I want to, cause we need to wrap up here, but so I want you to tell us about the deep love course and who is that for and what are you going to go into? Yes. So the deep love course, um, I am so freaking excited about this. I feel like it's all I've been thinking about for the past, like eight months of my life. Um, but this course is really, it's going to be epic. So it is a live eight week experience. And what I mean by live is that you're, you know, on zoom with me once a week and virtually live. Yes. Virtually live. Um, not a go at your own pace DIY course. Um, so it's, uh, this eight week container. We also have two Q and a sessions with both chase and I, uh, so he will be showing up for these Q and a sessions and able to offer, um, insight from the balanced masculine. I think it's really important to not have a myopic view of just our experience. And, um, he's, he'll be able to, to speak to that and, and we'll be able to go into deep, like situational stuff, like, okay, what would you guys do here? Or how can I view this situation or how can I approach this? It's been really hard for the last, you know, so many years. Um, and who this is for, this is for the woman who is honestly ready to completely transform her relationship. I'm calling it deep love for a reason. It's not superficial. We are going to be going deep into more relationship tools, but to, in order to do that, you know, a theme of this conversation is you have to be willing to go into deep parts of yourself first. And they are not separate from each other. So this is for the woman who is ready to really experience the depths of herself and her partner. And it could be, you know, someone who is in a long-term relationship. That would be, that's the, uh, the overall intention, but it could be for also someone who, um, you know, is maybe just tired of running in circles in the dating world and, and, and playing the chess game and tired of, attracting the same type of person where it's like, why am I always bringing this type of person in? Why can't I heal this type of this thing inside of me? If you feel a certain level of frustration in your love journey, this is something that, that could really, really help you because we're going to be rewiring and looking at a whole bunch of things that maybe you've never looked at before. So it does require some amount of bravery and courage, but that's where the transformation lies. And so you know, speaking to the woman who is in relationship, uh, if, you know, you're starting to feel like roommates, maybe the spark is gone. Maybe that newness and that novelty has worn off that honeymoon stage. Maybe you've been married for four or five years. Maybe you have a couple kids and things have just changed and you don't know how to get that spark back. Or maybe you feel like my partner wouldn't be into this. How am I ever going to get him on board with this? I want to change, but how do I get him on board? He's not into this type of stuff. I want her to feel completely confident in her relationship toolbox, leaving this course feeling like even if not every tool is applicable right now in this second, 
maybe it will be in six months or a year when we start to navigate through life and come to different seasons and cycles. I want her to feel completely confident in her ability to know herself on a deep level and have that curiosity for herself and her partner, but also have the tools to navigate hard conversations and to be able to express herself authentically without emasculating her partner. So healthy and effective communication and laying the foundation really for that deep spiritual conscious connection Mm -hmm. that we all want in partnership. We want to be felt and seen on a deep level. So, uh, you know, if you've been feeling like roommates or things feel stagnant, or maybe you're happy, maybe you just got married and you really want to learn how to avoid the shit that we went through. You know, we spent the first two years of our marriage figuring out that we had nothing figured out, even though we loved each other. There's these things, these patterns and this programming and this fear that can, that can creep its way into our relationships without us even knowing. And then two years goes by and, and you're completely distanced from each other. What are those things that we can put a spotlight on so that we can avoid you know, getting to that distance place where you do have to now go to therapy together and spend how many thousands of dollars on things are just not right. And we're on the brink of divorce. Somebody save us. Right. So most people do, right. They wait until that point. Same thing with their health. So all the things that we should have learned in school or earlier on about how to relate as that is core Mm -hmm. to everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about this (laughs) and I've gotten to see the course. It's kick-ass. So everybody, everybody needs it. I mean, to me, it's, we're talking about this. It's like, these are life skills. Like it's not, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's, everybody needs us to be able to relate to people. Um, I mean, it'll help your business, right? It'll help all of your relationships. So tell people where they can go to, to check it out. Yeah. So you can go to themedicine.com. So that's M-E-D-I-C-I-N. I'm sure all the links will be in in the show notes, but medicine.com forward slash deep love. You can find out a a ton about the course there. Um, We also uh, have a ton of information uh, that I'll be, that I've been talking about, um, about the course on my Instagram. I hang out there a lot and do a lot of education there. Um, So if you're interested at all, uh, those are the places that you would want to check out awesome well thank you guys so much for coming always love chatting love it thank you huge thank you to Mimi and Chase for coming back on the podcast they are just a wealth of knowledge I love chatting with them and if you enjoyed this episode as well be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media and tag all of us tag me at Christina the channel pod at Christina the channel tag at Mimi underscore the medicine tag at the medicine podcast tag us all so we can repost you and say thank you you can find more from Mimi and Chase on Instagram and on the medicine podcast and if you are ready to really transform your life with these tools, check out Mimi's deep love course. You can go to themedicine.com slash deep love and find all of the information right there. That's spelled T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com slash deep love. That's going to be it for today's show. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will chat with you again next episode.